Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop. Joining me today is the philanthropic and fastidious Phil Muscatello, host of Shares, Stocks, and ETFs for Beginners, and self-appointed fifth most popular podcast guest on Tubal's history. And that's three separate podcasts, by the way. If you'd like to learn more about Phil, make sure you check out his website at sharesforbeginners.com, or you just load up one of those three podcasts I mentioned. We'll have links for all that in the episode description. And if you want to reach out with any suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests, you can do that via email at twobulls at financialineptitude.com or join our free Discord server, where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. As I said, we'll have all those links in the episode description so you can peruse them at your convenience. And now, without any further ado, let's uh, let's check in with Phil. How are you doing today, bud? Always good. Uh, as I like to say, um, it's I'm going downhill one ski, no poles. <laughs> Situation normal. Is there a lot of skiing in Australia? Uh, there is, yeah, but um, only in one particular part. There, We've got these um, mountains down the south that uh, people go to. But a lot of people go to New Zealand because the skiing apparently is aw- awesome there. I don't ski. I never thought of New Zealand as being a touristy spot either. I thought there was way more sheep there than anything else. Oh, no, no. It's an incredible place to go to. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful country with glaciers and um, uh, kind of Swiss-style mountain lodges and things like that. No, it's wonderful. Australia has always been on my wish list of places I want to go visit. Uh, I don't wanted to live there at one point, but uh, mm. you know, you get married, and somebody has kids in the U.S., and suddenly you can't just leave the states anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get stuck there. But um, if well, please come to Sydney, and I'll show you the real Sydney. Oh, <laughs> you really? Might get just, you'll get the tourist stuff, but I can show you the real stuff as well. Which is uh, I don't know if know. I can hang with uh, Australians <laughs> yeah. anymore. I think maybe ten years ago I might have been a lot better suited. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry. We don't, we don't drink as much as you think. <laughs> no, okay. Okay, fair we, we just like to create that impression. <laughs> What'd you do last night? Well, no, I didn't drink that much. I did trivia <laughs> at the Bald Rock Hotel. <laughs> uh, oh, I love trivia. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been going, there's a group of us have been going, going for, well, well over 10 years now. And um, Has everything kind of gotten back to normal for you guys after COVID? Oh, I think it was pretty normal most of the time. I know everyone in America has got this idea that we were like a prison here in Australia, but let me tell you, here in Sydney, um, Mm -hmm. there was lockdowns and so forth, but, um, you know, there was always ways around it. I mean, that -hmm. local pub that I was at last night had a – they did takeaways and there was a park nearby the Mm -hmm. pub. And during the lockdown, we were just going and getting takeaway beers, hanging in the park, (laughs) (laughs) overlooking the harbour. And uh, drinking and someone, some wag said, you know, well, you know, we were right when we were 15 years old. Drinking outdoors is the way to do it. I know, right? Mm. Much Mm. better ambiance. I bet that was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great fun. It was absolutely great fun. So, yeah, don't worry about us down here, down under. (laughs) (laughs) So what else have you been up to since we last checked? I think we we looked it up before we started. You said it was, what, August of 22? So... That's the last time we spoke. Yeah, yeah. So it's most probably people, people wouldn't uh, remember. But, um, well, a lot of what I've been doing is laying back in a warm and comfortable two-bull bathtub, soaking in the vibe. So 
<laughs> I'd have something to talk about to you with you, Carl. <laughs> um, I'm a shower guy personally. <laughs> I do like a good bath every now and then, though. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, um, well, one of the things that happened was, of course, we were interacting on Twitter and mm. you know, having great yeah, fun oh, yeah. on Twitter. And um, I had one of my recent posts go viral. Well, as viral as any of my posts have ever gone. I think I got 5,000 oh. views. Oh, and wow. It Did was, that well? Yeah, yeah, because I follow – I love history, and I was following this uh, medievalist, and she posts significant um, saints' days, you know, from ancient yeah. Anglo-Saxon saints. <laughs> and um, she said – she did the St. Dunstan, one of the great saints of Anglo-Saxon England who died in 988, a multi-talented archbishop, statesman, musician, metal worker, and devil fighter. And <laughs> so I just retweeted and said, I wish this was on my LinkedIn bio. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. I couldn't help myself. I thought you were just talking about the wording. So you know what I did is I, I looked up your LinkedIn profile. I I Thank you very the- much. Yeah. I put it in the chat GPT and I just said, make this sound medieval. That's all I did. <laughs> and then you did the one about uh, you guys being gunslingers. Yeah, that one was, oh, I actually kind of, I was tempted to switch mine over to that. Maybe just for the month, see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> see if you get any more engagement. But how impressive is chat GPT? It is impressive. I've been doing, actually, I shouldn't have, uh, announce it here live, but I've been using it quite a bit for writing blog posts. It's not so much for, for letting it write for you, but just giving you um, some bulk to work on to edit. Yes. You know? Yeah. And uh, put it in your own voice. It, it, that, I think that's how it, I think that's how it works the best is when you have mm. like uh, a, like your version. You stick it in and say, "Make this look better." Mm. <laughs> it yeah, just spits out right. a polished version with footnotes and yeah. Or if 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 you just want to need some headline headlines or some um, you know quick bullet points things like that, it's great for doing it. But it's it's definitely not my kind of language. It's not the language that I would normally use. No, you don't but, use um, a lot of verilies I, and. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it it does. But it's always like, you know, it'll start a sentence on the other hand. Right. (laughs) You got to get rid of all of that uh, interstitial shit. Well, I mean, who knew Chat GPT didn't want to be so non, uh, what's the word? Using the passive voice. Us linguists. Thank you. That's it. Yes. You're not supposed to do that when you're you're writing blog posts. (laughs) That's right. But I I just wanted to get back to that um, Twitter thread that went um, viral. Um, <laughs> as a piece of social media marketing, it was absolutely totally useless because I, you think, oh, you know, I got plenty of uh, retweets and likes and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I don't think there's a Venn diagram that actually shows any overlap between the FinTwit community, financial Twitter, and the medievalist Twitter <laughs> community <laughs> because the people that were retweeting and liking it were librarians, historians, and medievalists. Right. So, yeah, that's the kind of um, search. See, but that's how I do social media marketing. That's how I do mine too, yep. though. I mean, I don't know. I can't get behind the. I can't do anything that I genuinely don't find interesting or funny. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I have to stay mm. kind of true to myself to not feel slimy when I'm posting on Twitter. Mm. It's. It, I think it's um, someone. Someone described Twitter to me. It's like LinkedIn is the conference and Twitter is the bar afterwards. Oh, <laughs> once you accept that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems reasonable. So, what's FinTwit in that equation then? Um, FinTwit is just a wonderful, lovely, supportive, humorous. I mean, I get so many laughs out of FinTwit. You know, John W. Rich, Greg. Do you know Greg? <laughs> uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. Oh, you got to follow Greg, one of the highlights of uh, Twitter, FinTwit. I stay off of that one. I thought I, I've heard it was as bad as Wall Street Bets. Um, no, uh, no, you just got it there. Yeah, it's about curating your feed, basically. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. What was the name? Greg. <laughs> just Greg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you just got to follow Greg on FinTwit. He's famous now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I love it. Hang on a sec. Let, let, let me just see if I can find his handle. And Elon follows oh, him no. now as well. They've become. Uh, Has Elon completely yeah. lost his mind? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think. Uh, Did you see his? No, Greg is. Hang on, Greg. This is his um, profile. I'm Greg. I like football and stocks and my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Kentucky. I'm an investor. I like to golf at the golf course. Oh, God. I love Greg. <laughs> yes, I want more Greg. <laughs> yeah. Do you think um do you think Elon's losing it? I um I don't mind. I'm enjoying the whole journey, I've got to say. Well, I mean when he went all 
the last thing I saw him on the headlines for was claiming that work for, remote work was immoral. Mm, and mm. I feel like that that argument is such a stretch. There's and so many things coming, that he says. I know. Sorry, go on. Go yeah. On. But when he also is, when he's coming at it from the point of view of somebody who owns a large EV company that's mm. trying to convince people to not stay home and drive to work. <laughs> yeah. Like that just, there's something that seems a little off about that. Yeah. Oh, no, there's plenty of things. And the, the way he manipulates the share price as well, all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, but then on the other hand, I mean, he's a mad genius. <laughs> Let's face it. But is he though? Or is it just like, what was the show? Have you watched that station or Avenue five on HBO max? No, no, that's that HBO Max comes on a cable network here in Australia, which I don't pay for. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, I'm trying to think like the the main like business CEO or guy who owns the whole uh, spaceship and that whole show mm, uh, mm. is just a complete nutter moron. But <laughs> he tells people to do things and thinks he's smart because he tells people to do it and they go do it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Elon is some of the same of that. <laughs> what's what's the name of the show? Uh, Avenue Five, I think it is. It's got Avenue Hugh Laurie 5. in it. It's actually a pretty good show. Oh, Only had Hugh a couple Laurie, seasons, though. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh Laurie, who everyone thinks is American until he opens his mouth and they realize he's English. Oh, well, that's because they didn't watch Stephen Fry. Uh, that's <laughs> right. A little bit, <laughs> bit of Fry, Fry and Laurie. Laurie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You seem, yeah. To like, you seem to like a lot of the uh, English comedy. I've heard you mention it. Oh, Some other yeah. things in QI you mentioned as well. That I've enjoyed that I show. I QI, uh, mm-hmm. Taskmaster with uh, mm-hmm. Greg Davies and Al- uh, mm-hmm. little Alex Horn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the other? Oh, uh, would I lie to you? I've been getting into that one recently too with David. Would Mitchell I lie and... to you? That's amazing. That's such a great show, and, isn't um, it? Um, it's it's one of my favorites. And the the interesting thing is, I heard an interview, a podcast interview with Paul McCartney, who mentioned that that's his favorite show, and he thinks Lee Mack is a genius. And then on the I... same <laughs> podcast, they had Lee Mack on as well, talking about how it felt to be discussed. That way by Paul McCartney. <laughs> what did Lee say? Um, he, he found it strange. I mean, you know what he's like. He, he, on this podcast, he was actually a lot more serious than you'd expect him to be. He's, really? Um, yeah, he's a very spiritual guy. He's a Buddhist, very highly educated. Um, but he, he was just talking about how he can't understand how anyone else is not getting the the jokes around him or not creating the jokes. His mind is working so fast. Mm-hmm. That it's like he's going at um, you know uh, relativistic speed against right. anyone else. <laughs> I've felt like that occasionally. I've made a few jokes that don't land because they're just a little bit too, <laughs> little too in the weeds. <laughs> That's right. Oh, don't we all? <laughs> I know. But you've got to try a joke, don't you? <laughs> I I mean, if it makes me laugh, that's my only. That's mm. the only thing I ever care about. In fact, I actually love it when a joke misses completely, and you have that awkward moment of like looking at someone waiting for their reaction they don't get it (laughs) i don't know there's something that i kind of like about that (laughs) yeah well i get that with my wife all the time you know oh i do it to her she's heard that one yeah although a couple of weeks ago i told a joke and she um she laughed so much at it and why haven't you ever told me that one before i'd forgotten i knew it (laughs) (laughs) how long have you been married um we got married in 2009 14 years oh dang yeah, yeah we think, got married I think initially. We just hit ten this year. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. We, mm. Neither of us even know when our anniversary is. I think one of our kids texts us every now and then to let <laughs> us know. <laughs> Incurable romantics, obviously. Right. Ah, yeah. She's never been big on dates. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's plus. Weird. Like, I, it's lucky for me that we get along so well because you know we both work from home now, so we see each other constantly. Same here, basically. Yeah, we both work from home. Um, did I tell you I was in the military? You did, yeah. No, and Because um, th- this is when I wanted, getting to the military theme, I wanted to talk oh. about Eric Smolinski, and I was going to ask you about your military. Before we do that real quick, I just wanted to say something about relationships in the military. <laughs> okay, yep, yep. Okay, so, uh, yeah, relationships in the military. Yeah, so uh, because you're constantly going on deployment a lot, the divorce rate when people get out of the military actually skyrockets because you're not used to like being around the person that you've married for the last 20 years, like constantly. Mm, yeah. Oh, well, I could well imagine. Like you almost have to completely live, like learn how to live together again. Well, that's part of the theme of that uh, American Sniper book and movie, isn't it? Oh, you know, I don't know that I've seen that. Is that oh, good? You? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. I've seen it pop up, but I just haven't picked it up. 
Anyway, sorry, yeah. what were you saying about Eric? Yeah, Eric Smolinski. Um, it just mm, comes yes. because um, he's been a guest on my podcast and well, and I, I listened to uh, an episode with Eric on yours. And um, what a guy. Isn't he a great, mm-hmm. fun guy? Sort of humble. I mean, you know, he goes and buys McLarens, not Lambos, apparently. <laughs> he does, but uh, I mean, I don't know. He's doing it the way. He's not doing it in a flashy way, which is mm, kind of mm. cool to see. Like, he's just enjoying the fruits of his labors. And that's kind of the name of the game, right? Yeah, that's right. But he's he's enjoying the fruits of his labor, and he's trying to teach it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about trading, but uh, he doesn't ignore the fact that um, the the best investing strategy for the majority of people is to get dollar cost average over a long period of time in a low cost yes. ETF. You know, he doesn't really ignore that side of things, which a lot of traders seem to be, or people who are selling trading systems oh yes seem to be overlooking yeah they they talk about uh, how quickly you can make thousands of dollars with no money down and mm, how you're mm. gonna be you know dump trucks of cash will be backing up to your house and all yeah. you have to do is is work for five minutes every every three days and and you'll be mm-hmm. set for life yeah no yeah no, he just, yeah, yeah. He's very honest about like what actually goes into what he does and what you have to do in order to be able to mimic it and it's refreshing to hear somebody take that kind of honest approach, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's also about that military discipline. I mean, he's a Marine or he's an ex-Marine. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You know, you think about the kind of training that those guys go through and the discipline they have and that they bring into their lives as well. And um, I don't know about you, it makes me feel like an underachiever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, it makes it even worse for me because I was in the Navy, which is mm, uh, mm. not the... I guess they call because we always joke with the Marines and say that they're a branch of the Navy and they say they're the men's department. And that's actually pretty <laughs> true. <laughs> if you look at his, you combine his experience to my experience, like mm-hmm. that discipline and all the other stuff that he, he talks about. Like, yeah, I went the Navy route and submarines specifically. So that wouldn't be as much of an issue. Because mm-hmm. Things are a lot more lax when you're just locked up underwater for three months. Yeah. But um, how do how do you find? Um, I mean, you, you, obviously, you're getting him on as a regular these days. Um, yeah, yeah, we do you're that Wednesday talking. show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the Wednesday show. He's um, he's great, isn't he? And it's not like that. Discipline is mm-hmm. really what traders need, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, it's not something that you can. Uh, he was talking about flexibility, wasn't it, or adaptability? Adaptability. And, yes. Yeah. When you're trading, you come up with this idea. You work out this analysis that you think and you've back tested it and then you it's going to work and it might work i think you were talking about it might work for three months or something then suddenly it stops working suddenly something changes yep yeah something changes and it's about the adaptability um it's about approaching it like a military operation it's about cutting your losses which is something i want to talk about cut your losses cut your losses (laughs) cut your losses (laughs) the market's going to be open here in about half an hour and i need to cut some losses today already oh no uh, yeah well but uh, having that discipline yeah i was gonna say you should feel really uh uh, special that eric agreed to do your show because he is extremely selective about the people that he collaborates with oh really oh that's nice to hear but we got on very well no to a a lot of people (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think um, maybe he's got um, some warm and moist feelings towards Australia, having spent time in Australia on some military operations as well. Oh, when did you talk to him? I think I missed that episode. Um, oh, it was a while ago now. Um, oh, did you want to find out when I spoke to him? Well, because yeah, I want to go listen to it since we're done. Um, well, it's on Stocks for Beginners. Stocks for uh, Beginners, okay. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll link that one in the episode description. People like Eric around here too. Yeah, he's a man. He's a great guy. I love love his attitude. We would have done it around about um, February. Yeah, what did you guys talk about? Um, we talked about um, discipline, trading. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to think about that again. You know what it's like. You talk to so many people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what did you talk about? <laughs> oh, we talked about stocks. <laughs> I like stocks. <laughs> do you? <laughs> How often do you find yourself when you're like just finished editing an episode and you got to write the mm. episode description, trying to remember mm. what the fuck you just talked about? <laughs> Oh, no, but I always get an output a trans- transcript, so I'm working from the transcript all the time. Yeah. Oh, I quit doing that. I should probably go back to that. That might make it a lot easier. Mm, yeah, it does. And I think um, 
Zencaster, which we're on now, will spit out a transcription. It does. Automatically. It does. Yeah. Mm. Although mm. I think I'd cancel that subscription because we weren't using it anymore. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, you're not recording in MP3, not WAV format, are you? <laughs> um, it should be in WAV. We might have switched yeah, yeah, to MP3 yeah. just to make it easier. I don't remember. Just teasing. Just teasing. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. You are an audiophile, aren't you? Uh, well, I'm an audio engineer. That's. I mean, I still do audio recordings as my... I'm not sure if it's a side hustle, main hustle, or what at the moment, you know. Right. right. <laughs> um, it's straight after this interview. I've got to edit some. Um, oh, I've recorded some messages in some Indigenous Aboriginal languages from Western Australia, which is an interesting oh, really? project. Mm, yeah. Okay. I know this is supposed to be a trading stock market podcast, but I <laughs> want to know more about that. Really? You do, right? do you want to hear it? Yeah, that? I do. Yeah. What's, uh, is this a, like a documentation thing, like trying to make sure that you capture these sounds before no. it's gone? Or No, no, no. These are government messages that are going to remote communities. Um, they're oh. often health messages sponsored by um, the WA government or the federal government. Um, this particular one's about hearing, going to get hearing checked. Um, I, I mean, I kind of fell into this space about 30 years ago where I record um, voiceovers in many languages. Um, mm-hmm. So like this week, for example, um, I've been recording Qantas in-flight messages in about eight languages. You know, when you get on the plane okay. and you get that yeah. safety video and you Mind can listen the gap to it. In, and yeah, yeah, yeah. How the seatbelts work. <laughs> <Pull. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the exits are and all of that. Yeah. Uh, and I've been recording that in languages and then it's also morphed into doing Australian Aboriginal languages, and um, we're recording about 22 different languages. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so... Um, do you speak 22 different languages, or do you no, send you no, somebody? No, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> no, 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 there's an expert there. Although okay. I've, been, I've been learning quite a bit of um, oh, Madu Wanka, which is because Madu is like the people and Wanka is language. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is the language of the people is that uh, language. So it's funny because when I'm listening to the audio now there's a couple of words when i think oh that's where the word message is you know or talking is <laughs> maru wanka ah, yeah, yeah um, that's something i enjoyed a lot in high school when we were doing through uh, latin like learning like mm. the latin word roots of of all the the english words that we use like the history of like how a word came to be i always found fascinating mm-hmm. the yeah. etymology i think is the word right that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's a great one of my favorite podcasts is the History of English podcast, which um, I think the guy started it in 2013 and thought he'd maybe get a year's worth of episodes out of it. And it's still going. And we've only just done Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. I love that. English podcast. is such a crazy language. Um, yeah. Like, I remember listening to someone talk about this concept, which like if you, the, the tweet actually kind of ties this up nicely that you were talking about earlier like trying mm, to mm. sound like you're from the 980s mm. and if you actually saw what english looked like from that time period you would not be able to read it but that's right yeah other languages don't have nearly as much change that's mm. like they're uh, much purer yeah yeah they've been mm. they've been consistent for longer because i guess they don't have a history of being conquered like england had for yeah. centuries well do you know about um proto-indo-european proto-indo-europe no um, just about every uh, language in Europe, apart from Finnish and uh, Hungarian, come from the same language family. And really? they also relate to um, Sanskrit and the Hindi language in India. And they've all got the really? same roots. Yeah, yeah. And um, apparently it's, I, I'm no historian here, but apparently it's to do with the development of the chariot. And the chariot meant that the people who had the chariots were able to spread, spread their language far and wide. Right. And you have and, to be able to speak their language in order to buy their chariots. <laughs> <laughs> or or, or you, you learn, when those chariots are heading towards you, you learn their You're language pr- pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you may not have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll speak Proto-Indo-European. And um, but when they when they hit Europe and they hit the, the Carpathian Mountains, some of the mm-hmm. chariot uh, riders went north. And that's where the Germanic language is developed from. And the, some went south, and that's where the Greek and Latin language is developed from. And then these roots all again combined a couple of centuries later into what we now know as English and what we are speaking here. That's crazy. Apparently okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fuck. Uh, okay. I'm going to learn more about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, I, we should be talking no. about investing, trading, anything. I don't, I don't know. 
Ah, we'll just slap an after hours label on this and, and just talk okay, about we're what after we like. hours. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad I, <laughs> glad I uh, togged off for this episode. Oh, right. <laughs> hey, have we talked about Miss America? No. No. When was the last time I even watched that? Well, this is what I can't believe. It seems to have been something that's um, fallen off the cultural radar, so much so that the current Miss America only has 2,623 followers on Twitter. And wow. she seems like a lovely person, and she's a nuclear engineering student. She's going to go into the nuclear industry. So oh, good for I, her. I think I'd like to start a movement where we support Grace. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Stank, Stanker, Stanky. Who's Miss America 2023, <laughs> nuclear engineering that. student, and let's um, all follow her because she's going to make a better future with nuclear power. I am a big fan of nuclear power, is that is mm-hmm. my background from the military. Oh, really? Uh, is that yes. uh, so you want nuclear powered submarines or something? Yep, I was an uh, electrician's mate, nuclear qualified. Mm. Mm. So. Got to run the the power plant, do all the maintenance on the uh, switch gears and motor generator sets and all that fun stuff. Wow! And you've still only got one head. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, when you're uh, underway, like yeah. we still have uh, dosimeters that you use to like monitor your mm, exposure, mm. but you get significantly less radiation exposure underway than you do uh, when you're in port. Oh, that's because the cosmic background radiation is so strong. That yeah, the, yeah with the ocean shielding you from that, like instead of like you get exposed to like two to 300 milliram or something like in a month mm-hmm. outside and under the sub, like we were getting maybe four to five milliram. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually significantly oh. less exposure. Oh, and, and Eric talks negatively about the, the uh, Navy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember a new guy we pulled into the, um, was it Hawaii? I think, mm-hmm. um, to, for a port call and, we didn't get to spend much time there. We we're just there to, to fix something. So we get like every shift got like 12 hours um, in port. Mm. Uh, we ended up spending our time at a little pool that we found. I, I don't even know. I don't even know whose pool it was, to be honest with you. I think we just found a pool and went and swam in it. <laughs> but I came back and I was you're, so you're sunburned. The you could go wherever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah, right. I got back to the boat. I was so sunburned. And this uh, newer guy is a radio man. Uh, call him Coners because they're in the front of the boat, the cone of the mm. ship. And he asked me if I got, you know, a little sun while I was out on port call. I was like, no, I got real serious and scared. And I looked at him and I said, no, they made me go do an emergency repair in the reactor. So does it look bad? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought he was going to pass out. <laughs> yeah, it was volunteer only one of those operations, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. We need a volunteer. We may not come back. <laughs> oh, look at his face. Oh, is it bad? <laughs> Gracie, okay. So, yes, I am giving her a follow right now. Mm-hmm. And um, if we can spread the word. Oh, she's, uh, well, it depends. Are you talking about her her profile or the Miss America one? Because Miss America itself is 69,000 followers or 67,000. No, no, I'm talking about her personal following. Oh, well, yeah, crap. Grace. I got to find that one. S T A N K E, Miss America 2023. That's, that's actually the name of the uh, escape uh, hoods that you wear when you trying to uh, abandon a submarine in an emergency. It's a stanky hood you put on. Maybe she's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I've been fooled all along. Well, I mean, I think Miss America kind of died off because wasn't like Trump, like the biggest sponsor of that for the longest time. And I thought he was Miss universe. Oh, I think you're right. Okay. Was he Miss Universe? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's got to be bigger. It's got to be the whole universe, not just earth when it comes to Donald. Yeah, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty self-centered of us to assume that we're the center of the universe. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we need the beauties from Beetlejuice right? to come and, uh, compete as well. Oh, God, I love that you know that. that star. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a movie. Oh, I was yeah, just a, in my mind, I was reaching around for a star. star uh, yeah, Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So uh, Serious. Serious. Serious, yes. Star. That's the North Star, hmm. isn't it? The brightest star in the sky, I believe. Which one's the North Star? Oh, that's Polaris. Polaris, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got a telescope one year oh. for Christmas, and mm. man, the joy of finding Jupiter for the first time and actually like seeing the moons. Ah. Mm. Mm. And I don't know if you saw, but actually, yeah. we had the Northern Lights visible down here. Um, like we're in the middle of wow. Illinois, 
That far south. Wow. Uh, it, it was supposedly visible all the way down to like Alabama. Um, there was like a major solar wow. storm about a month ago. Yeah, no, I didn't hear it. I about stayed that. up to try to see it. I didn't see shit. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't stay up all Too night. Too much though. light light pollution. Or? I don't know if it was that. Like it just looked brighter and to the north mm-hmm. than usual. Yeah. I didn't see any of the yeah. cool greens or any of that stuff that I was you know hoping to. But it could have been one of those scenarios where like you just get like flashes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Like anytime yeah. they talk about meteor showers, mm-hmm. you go out looking like you're going to see a bunch of cool shit, and it's like you know streak every five minutes. I'm like that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we get the i think do you get the leonid showers is that in the northern hemisphere as i know well? i'm not sure do we get the same meteor showers in the south the southern hemisphere i don't see why we wouldn't would i we? think they might well because we're pointing at different parts of the sky um especially at different times of the year as yeah well. that's true mm, any astronomers listening, i know right please shit <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going into that rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're a fast crowd. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Some longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is to just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. What else has been going on? Well, I've been, um, I wouldn't say trading, um, but I have been working with a new system is the wrong word, methodology, I guess you'd call it. Um, on the Australian version of the podcast, uh, just to clarify, I've got Shares for Beginners, which is targeted at um, Australia, and then um, Stocks for Beginners, which is targeted to everywhere else in the world and the universe, hopefully. Yeah, that's the one that's eaten into our market share. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know, we're, we're such fierce competitors, obviously. I know. And yeah, anyway, there's been this guest, he's been on the podcast for a long time, Tony Kynaston, and he's got a... It's called QAV, Quality at Value, and I hate to call it a system. It's a methodology. I mean, he's not actually making money out of it because mm-hmm. he's made so much money and he's just kind of semi-retired playing golf. He owns racehorses and things like that. Mm-hmm. But he wants to share what he's done. And he's one of his mates is a podcaster and they started doing a podcast together where he's teaching his method. And it's basically to do with a... Um, uh, value investing mm-hmm. and uh, fundamental analysis. And uh, it's this long, 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 long spreadsheet. Um, I think there's about 20 columns in it and um, it's weighting certain factors in the valuation of a company. Um, and then it's there's a stop loss as well, like it's a 10%. Mm-hmm. If it drops 10%, you're just out straight away for risk management. Or if the stock is commodity-based, if the commodity becomes a sell, then you sell out of the stock because, you know, as commodity-based businesses are always... Yeah? Yeah, yeah, because they're always at the the mercy of the underlying commodity affecting their share price. Anyway, so there's the the full-blown version. And um, I actually... uh, It's one of my affiliate marketing partners. And so a lot of listeners, and I've met some listeners who've listened to my podcast and then they've gone over to QAV because it's very just very Mm -hmm. sensible... Um, and a lot of the people now are much better at spreadsheets than Tony ever was. So <laughs> there's this community who are working on this spreadsheet. Right, right. <laughs> um, but that's the full-blown version, the club version, but they've got a, a light version now as well. And because I don't have the time, mm-hmm. you know, between doing recordings, podcasting, and, you know, just trying to keep bread on the table and the roof over our heads. I know, right? I don't have time to do the kind of research that's required to do this. So the light version means that they basically give you an email and say, okay, this is on the buy list, this is on the sell list, and you just start working it. And I didn't think it was going to be like trading, but it is a little bit like trading because there's been so, the market's been a little bit up and down recently and there've been a lot of stop losses triggered. So um, you've got to try and build up 
basically a, a portfolio of about 15 to 20 stocks mm-hmm. uh, which you hold on to and then slowly it's we treat it like weeding the garden you know if something's uh, not going well you take it out and replace it with someone or something else until you end up with uh, a portfolio of stocks that you're happy to do so at That's the moment buffett talks about a lot uh, I, th- I think it was buffett when he talks about weeding your portfolio mm. out like so mm. many people cut the roses and try mm. to keep the weeds yeah so it's been really good to be able to work with this discipline. And mm-hmm. I, I think we've only got six stocks in our portfolio at the moment because so many have become sells. Mm. But one of them, and you know, one started running, and I think it's still up 60%. Is it NVIDIA? And, and, no, 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 it's a gold. <laughs> it's a, an Aussie gold mine. They're all Aussie shares, ah. although oh, they, okay. are working, okay. they are working on um, making a US-based version of this system, which hopefully we can introduce within the year as well, which is very interesting. Oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Be yeah interesting. Be I don't know this. much about value investing or fundamental mm. analysis. I've focused mostly on technical over the last, you know, three years. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, there is one technical indicator that they used, and I may have mentioned this on the last time I was on the podcast, but it's basically if I can describe something that's visual in words, mm-hmm. it's a five year chart on a monthly time. You know, okay. daily, not five minutes, but monthly. And basically you draw like if if the stock's gone down, you draw the line between the two highest points. Yeah. And when it crosses that line upward, that means, well, it's possibly a buy. And then the opposite as well on, on the sell side of things. Yeah. So that's, anyway, getting back to just that. just trend lines and, yeah. uh, and support resistances. Yeah. Uh, you can do that on any time frame too, by the way. Markets are fractal. So those, yep. those same patterns and mm-hmm. those same support resistance, they become less strong, the more dialed in to the time mm-hmm. frame you become, like a five-minute trend line is not going to be nearly as strong mm. as a monthly but mm. makes sense to can you say fractal Fractal, yeah can you say I fractal <laughs> again fractal that means that the same <laughs> when like you look that. at a monthly chart and you see a pattern on there you can yeah zoom in on one candle and see the same patterns and see them play out and interact the same way mm-hmm. i know markets are just like um what is that that's chaos theory isn't it uh, yeah, I mean, what did they say? Yeah, there was a book about about the butterfly wings in the Amazon. Yeah, and yeah, can yeah. Start a hurricane in the Atlantic, and yeah, but the, and that's the thing. It's like um, everything from the smallest uh, when you're looking at something at the smallest level to the greatest level. Uh, what's it like? Algae's got the same structure as trees, for example. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> we shouldn't get too much into that. We'll <laughs> a little. You had me. Uh, we're hooked. just enjoying chatting so much. That <laughs> I was interested. <laughs> anyway, but um. So, yeah, I've been using that, but it's just been great to have that support and discipline. And I'm sorry, I was going to say with this one stock that Mm -hmm. ran, um, I I think it's up 60%. It's sort of like, well, should we be selling? And the answer I got back is, well, why would you bench Michael Jordan? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's, that's one of the things, and it's for traders as well. You know, you've got to let your winners run. Is that the case with trading as well? That seems to be one of the... Well, there's, I think that new traders have a tendency to aim for home runs too mm, much. Mm. And I went through this myself where they shoot for the fences, they shoot for the stars, they don't pay themselves. And then you end up getting what's called upstuck, mm. where you were up $300 and then it comes back down to $200 in profit. And then you thought in your head, you're thinking I'm down a hundred. Mm, then you mm. don't want to sell because you had 300 and you want to get that back. So you you tell yourself, oh, I'll, I'll sell it when it gets back to 300. Mm. And then what ends up happening is it goes back up there and you don't sell it because why would you sell it? It's going up. <laughs> mm. Eventually, you end up turning what is be you know a nice win into usually a full loss because it just ends up reversing on you and you refuse to take profit because you're constantly thinking about what you could have had, not what <laughs> yeah. you can get now. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of it is the psychology, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and mm. that's what most of trading is about is just understanding who you are, your tendencies and how to work with them. Uh, mm. To and minimize your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So, would you um, use a, a trailing stop loss in that situation? What I like to do with um, when I have a good trade and I get a good entry, I take off at certain risk to reward ratios. Mm. So, if my mm. stop is like on a stock, if it was a five dollar stop, then I'd want my first take profit to be somewhere around two to one, so ten dollar profit. Mm-hmm. I'll get paid there, then I'll go to break even on my. Uh, the rest of my position, and I'll let a small piece of that run, like a third, to see if I can mm. get more out of it. And then I, I like to trail the stops manually, looking at support resistances along the move as it moves up. Mm-hmm. So when you look at those pullbacks, when it, it kind of comes off from those peaks, you just you can just stick your stop, you know, a couple 
points below that just to give you a little room in case it slips as it gets close to it. But in theory, if it's going to continue running, then you should be holding those as support for the next move up, the continuation moves. Mm. So are you using that because I've seen these formulas that you can um, find on uh, anywhere on the internet is about um, mm-hmm. the risk reward ratio. Yeah. So you you work out, okay, I'm gonna if I get in this, this price, if it goes down, I don't know, five percent, I'm out. But if it goes up, I twenty percent, I'm out. And so you can you use it as a statistical kind of right. Tool exactly. To, this is all about yeah. this is all about trying to get as many hits as you can, right? Mm. And I think Eric was talking about forty percent is kind of the um, the success rate that most people would be looking for? Uh, for your trades to work out? Yeah. 40% is a sustainable. Yeah. The number out of the number of trains. Yeah. Yeah. Trades. Yeah. 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 If you win 40% of your trades and you use a good, if you have good risk reward principles, you should be able to make a fortune with, yeah. with yeah. that if it's sustainable. <laughs> 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 it's it's the, the aspect that most people don't think about or consider when they're thinking about how to make more money in the stock market is how to lose less. Mm, mm. That's something that George was really good at uh, uh, stressing when we first talked to him, mm. uh, George from Trade Pro Academy, he's mm-hmm. since retired, but that was something he was a big proponent of. You can either make more money or you can lose less money. Mm, mm. Those are your two paths to increasing your profitability. Yeah, yeah. it's good to have it uh, distilled into that kind of uh, few words, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, I know it's it's... It's tough. That is, it's it tough is. To, to yeah to implement to do it consistently, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's it. I mean, that's why people like Eric are so valuable to have around to be able to talk to that sort of thing. And and also um, by using this QAV system that I'm using, I just sort of mm-hmm. I just go, okay, I'm just all in here. I'm and yeah, you know, this is not my whole portfolio, you know. That's and this is the other important thing is you just you don't put your whole portfolio into something to try oh, out. You know, no. you, you've got your long term ETFs. You know, dividend reinvestment, blah blah. Yep. And um, you try it out with some, but just to try this out and just to, I really have taken the emotion out of it. I feel now because I, really, well, it's about trust, and I really trust mm-hmm. Tony Kynaston because first of all, he's not doing this to make any money. He's just doing it because you know you, you, there's only so much time you can spend golfing and playing with your yeah, racehorses. Right. <laughs> yeah, and plus you want to feel like you're doing something. You know, meaningful, yeah. helping people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Achieve financial freedom is a one hell of a goal. Mm, mm. And it's just also like I mentioned is that so many of my listeners have gone over to him and to mm-hmm. use the system, and you know they're kind of so thankful to me that they really feel like that there's a structure to their investing. And I know it's not trading as you like to look at it, but um, it's no. This is that's that's mm. just good guidance. I think it sounds like for. People who want to be a little more active in their investing. Mm. Call that active investing, I think, is a, the term I like to use. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, you know, because now I'm, I'm so disciplined in following it. Like I might be recording someone in Cantonese, for example, and I see an email mm-hmm. come through with a cell on there and I'm kind of like, well, I'm on my phone trying to um, sell the stock, <laughs> get the six, six digit code, enter the six digit code, you know, oh, right, right. is it a market order or is it a limit order? <laughs> yeah. That, that was a good, that was a good take. Yeah. Just do that, that little bit again, you know, we need, we need the URL yeah, right. again. <laughs> sell, sell, sell. I have to close my charts whenever I do interviews. So I'm not tempted to, <laughs> to start trading futures. <laughs> Goddamn futures markets open 24 yeah. seven. <laughs> But I, I think you wanted to talk about trust because you've got trust issues, don't you? I, I think we all do, don't we? <laughs> um, no, well, no, I think we, we have issues with um, undue trust in certain people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what you'd mentioned was you're talking about fund managers before we hit the recording button here. I thought that, was, that would be a fantastic conversation mm, mm. because you had an experience. I'll let you tell that so I'm not stepping over you. Well, trust. I think trust is one of those things that we rely on too much. And I'm I'm just going to refer to a couple of guests here. One was um, Mm -hmm. a psychologist, and his name is Stanley Teitelbaum, and a retired psychologist. And um, his two things, well, he's got many, many, many um, great lessons being a psychologist, but the first one being Mm -hmm. cut your losses, cut your losses, cut your losses, and also how to lose. Risk management. Yeah, risk (laughs) management, and how to lose, and how people end up trusting people too long. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of brought me around to Gary Broad, who's another 
great Twitter contributor, and he's been he's become a semi regular on my podcast, Gary underscore Broad on Twitter, mm-hmm. and he's talking about the funds management in- industry and the financial planning industry, and this is from a, a thread that he posted today um, about fund managers who take thousands of meetings a year, read countless investment letters, and follow industry trends. Then many of them throw that work away and invest where other allocators are investing. Their goal isn't to get you the best returns. It's to avoid being wrong alone. They think it's okay for them to lose your money as long as they do it in a brand name fund where others are invested. And right. that's, that's part oh, that's of That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, we come wow. back to that thing about mutual funds. Um, so we call them managed funds here, so I might be... Um, you know, flipping between the two mm-hmm. and the way people invest and then the way fund the, the way financial planners will be helping you to invest. Now, some financial planners are great and they can help you curate some great stocks to be in and great investments. Yep. But others are just, all you're there, there for is to take your phone call when the market's going down and you just say to them, well, just just hang in there. The market will improve. The market always improves, you know, rather than having <laughs> anything to do with actively <laughs> right. managing the money. I, the ones I've talked to, they, they, some of the ones I've talked to said their main goal is to keep you from doing something stupid. I know. Like, I know. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's what they want. They want you to just stay calm. Mm-hmm. It's the long haul. Don't yeah. make rash decisions just because the market's going down today. If you've got 20 years on your horizon, then you don't need to be selling out now. Mm-hmm. But then um, there's many opportunities that you miss because you'll remain right. fully invested through these periods. Right, right. Uh, and not be able to take advantage of um, getting in when the market is down to turbocharge your returns. But you made a great point that you can't be wrong alone. Yes, yes. And, well, that's Gary. And, that's Gary's point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it makes perfect sense, especially in the world of in, you know finance and the mm. stock markets where you're going to be wrong. It's just the nature of the game. The goal is to... The goal is to have good risk controls, though, so that way, though, when you're wrong, it doesn't bankrupt you. Mm-hmm. But, but it, I mean, it's hard for these fundies as well. We call them fundies here mm-hmm. in Australia, fund managers. And that sounds like a fun term. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so difficult for them. First of all, like you know, they can only invest in a limited, uh, a limited universe of stocks because of their mandates. They can't get mm-hmm. into anything small because they, they've just got too much money to invest. Um, right. And, you know, so they, they would just, if they tried to get a smaller stock, uh, they would just blow the price out of the water because they've, they've just got too much <laughs> or bulk of money. Or de- completely destroy it when they try to sell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then th- that, that sort of brought me to thinking about trust and my poor experience with a uh, stockbroker um, who I was with mm-hmm. for, for 10 years until I started making this podcast and understanding more about the industry. I mean... Um, I mean, I can't believe that I started this podcast and I didn't even know what an ETF was. <laughs> and the right. this stockbroker, he was just enabling my stupidity and idiocy and just thinking, oh, you know, I can just pick a stock and I'll make money out of it. You know, let's buy this, you know. Right. I mean, right. if only he had just done some basic education with me and said, well, look, let's put, you know, 80% of your money in a long-term ETF or an index fund, and then, you know, we'll play around on the sides. But no, you know, because he is making money out of my uh, brokerage and every time I traded, he had no incentive mm-hmm. whatsoever to do that. And I, I just sort of look back at that and I think, you know, I got taken out to some nice lunches and I, and I just think, what a idiot well, let me, I was. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Like, how did you get put in touch with them? Like, was it a friend's recommendation or... Um, I found them. Mys- I found them myself. Um, I mean, it's one of those stories. Oh, you know, this stockbroking firm has been around for 130 years, and um, they're solid and they're conservative. <laughs> right, right. You know, falling for the marketing—that old marketing shtick. Well, I mean, when when you talk about trust, the, the what I was thinking of was like how often we get money advice from people who aren't qualified to give it to us. Oh, okay. Like yeah. How many? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people that when they they get a financial planner, they go to their friends for recommendations, but their friends don't know any more than they do. Mm. Just, do you like the guy? Yeah. Okay. I'll trust him. Mm-hmm. That, that's, the, that's the amount of research that people do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of insane to me, mm. but I mean, it just speaks to, it speaks to our ignorance. I mean, like I wasn't too far removed from making mistakes like that. Like yeah. probably not 
probably much uh, much more recent than fifteen years in my case. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I think this is for me. This is one of the areas that robo advice, which is a terrible name, by the way. It's really just mm-hmm. online investment advice is really the term, but it, that kind of is meaningless. I, I think they've got to work out a, a marketing <laughs> with a marketing team what the best term is. But however, <laughs> you can now go and um, just punch in a few figures about yourself and what you like and your stage in life and all of that. And it'll spit out a, a low cost portfolio for you. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's like um, you like someone. Um, I went through this exercise with my mother um, late last year where her financial planner, who she's been with for years, she loves him. He's a lovely man. He comes around and talks to her and tells her, tells her what he's been doing. And mm-hmm. uh, he retired. And so it went to another financial planner where they had to reissue all of the details about the about the investments but more more importantly mm-hmm. is the cost of managing those investments and now that of course armed with a bit more knowledge you know i could would say to him well you know how can we get the costs down and um while we would have liked to have taken it away and maybe you know managed ourselves you know that would never right. have flown with my mother um <laughs> we were we were able to negotiate because there's when you've got a financial planner, there's three sets of fees that are involved here in Australia. I mean, it's most probably going to be something very similar in the States. But we were able to um, reduce the fees of each of those levels to the state where it was like 2% a year previously for being invested in quite high-risk investments, I might add. <laughs> that's, um, that's massive. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now it's under wow. 1%. and. You know, at least they look after a lot of things that, you know, we don't have to worry about, right. like the social security or the pension that she gets and things like that. Anyway, but again, that's the story about trust. Oh, and the, the point is about robo-advice is, is that I was able in this situation to have a company who have sponsored my podcast and have been on the podcast, a robo-advice company. They give free appraisals of um, portfolios. And so they were able to help me to arm myself in terms of what I needed to talk to with the financial advisor. Hmm. And again, this is where the trust comes into it, doesn't it? Is that people aren't lucky like us, so we can talk to um, inve- experts in the investment field to help us out this way. Right, right. And again, they fall back onto that trust thing where they trust someone or they think this is a nice guy or this this person dresses beautifully, you know, I'll, I'll go with them. And mm-hmm. it's, I think it's just really with the plethora of podcasts and YouTube videos and blogs and so forth about investing, if you're interested, I know not everyone's interested, you know, you can't be interested all the time, but you would presume that people who are listening to our podcast are mildly interested in this space, right, right, that they right. can educate <laughs> themselves so they don't have to lean on blind trust. One of the one of the coolest things I think somebody told us, and we're talking about how to pick a good financial planner, like some of the things, uh, red flags to watch out for. Mm. Uh, the number one thing he said was how happy their secretary is, or the person that greets you, the receptionist. Mm. Does she does she look like she's enjoying her job, or does she hate it there? <laughs> and then also, if Mad Money's playing on the on the uh, the screens, then <laughs> definitely don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, uh, that episode I had with Stanley Teitelbaum, he had um, a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. And um, yeah, it's a great list of questions. I can share that with you and listeners if you'd like as well. Yeah, please. Mm, yeah. Remind Put me Remind me to right do that. Now. Right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, what was the name of the, the episode? Um, well, there's two. It's the first one with Teitelbaum. Anyway, I can send you the um, the blog post. Yeah, if you send me that, then I'll, uh, I'll get it in the episode description so mm-hmm. people can check it out. Yeah, yeah. Getting up to the end here. You got yeah. anything else uh, we should uh, um, touch on before we wrap up? I just perhaps we should talk about that negative Apple Podcasts review because I know we're at the end of this episode. We're going to pe- ask people to like and review and everything. And first of all, did you realize how hard it is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts? Oh my god, it's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> I ask all my guests to leave a review, yeah, and then yeah. they're like, "How do I do that?" And I'm like, "Fuck, I don't know how to tell you that." It's terrible. It's a re- I, I didn't know, <laughs> I know until a couple of weeks ago, and then I worked. I was trying to work. <laughs> Work it out because when you have a negative review, of course you. Wait, you got a negative review, or we did? No, no, I got a negative review, and it was first of all I had a um, uh, someone who was selling a trading system, Simon Ree. You might yeah. be interested in him on the podcast, but the the listener was very miffed that I was promoting something like trading to beginner investors. And I understand that point, but I think that people just need to be introduced more to 
all of the availability and the whole way of the, that the markets work. You know, it's like why I talk yeah. about fixed income so much, which I think might bore people, but I find it fascinating that there's this whole other market out there that nobody <laughs> even hears about, which is 10 times larger or more than equity markets and has so much influence on it. You know, right? just even being yes. aware of that is very valuable information. Well, and then the other thing I would say to that is something that Eric talks about a lot. Why limit yourself? Mm, mm. Like learn. I mean, there may be some things that maybe you want to incorporate in the way that you pick your investments. That's right. Like just maybe, uh, yeah, because you a little technical analysis so you can get some better entries or, or be better informed about when to exit. That's right. Because I'm not, um, I don't um, subscribe to the religious wars between <laughs> fundamental and uh, technical analysis. Me I neither. Think, I think there's a place for both. There's a place for both. And it's really interesting and fascinating to. Talking about, and I think mm -hmm. Eric was talking about candles as well. And like, there's a whole discipline of candles, and then there's a whole discipline yeah. of um, patterns. Yep. And and it's just, I mean, I know, I know people think of, think of it like reading the tea leaves, and it's not going to predict anything in the future. But it is such a great way to visualize the market. You know, it takes everything out of it, but and just mm -hmm. just even being able to look at a chart and say, oh, this stock is in a downtrend. <laughs> it hasn't reversed right. yet. Don't buy, right. you know. Right. <laughs> Whereas, you know, when you first come into the market, you're thinking, oh, if this stock's down 50%, it must be a buy. <laughs> right, yeah. It's got to go back up, yeah, right? Yeah, it's got to go it's back up. It's just there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of the most fascinating things that I think learning in my journey was just how much emotions actually drive markets. Mm, mm. The emotional aspect of it. The markets run on emotions. Mm, that's, mm. that's just how it works. It is. It's it's emotion. Well, it's emotions, but a lot a lot of the weight of the big money. I, I was talking to a guest a couple of weeks ago about this because there was one particular stock that I had a holding in, and it came up with an earnings upgrade, and it was a cracker of an earnings upgrade. And as we're talking about it in a situation like this, the market opened, and we said, "Okay, it's going to be up a huge amount today." And <laughs> we looked at it, and it was flat. It hadn't moved yeah. an inch. And I don't yep. think that was psychology. I think in that particular case, no, first of all, the expectations. The ex the expectations. There was an expectation that that was going to be coming because mm -hmm. it was a, a steel stock. So any idiot can see that the price of steel had been going up for a long right, time, right. even though it's, it's and and it had since reversed in that time as well. Um, so there was no, there, anyone who was holding it, they might say, okay, we're going to hold on for a little while, but they're not going to buy any new positions in it because they know that the price of the steel, the underlying commodity that we spoke about before was going down. And so mm -hmm. you can see that it's, it, it isn't just psychology, but even knowing that kind of information rather than being the idiot goes, oh, you know, it's had a really good earnings upright. <laughs> Let's go and buy I was it. Just, I was just talking to my mom uh, the other day. She was asking me if I thought the markets were going to crash and talked mm. to the guy who used to manage her money. And he said he had moved all his stuff out of the markets because it's crash is coming and somebody else is telling her that. And I said, the more people that tell you the markets are going to crash, the less likely it is to happen. Mm, mm. Because if everybody's already sold, who's mm -hmm. left to sell? Mm, Once mm. you sell, you're a buyer now. Mm. Once you buy, you're a seller. Yep. Because yeah. that's where your money is. That's the next thing you have to do. And that's that's how those earnings reports like that. Everyone gets excited about something where they think it's going to blow out. They all buy it mm. beforehand. There's no one left to buy it. Who's going to buy it now? Everyone already did. Although there's a couple of people that I really respect who see... a. a a default, a debt default crisis on the way. There's just too much debt. Interest rates have gone up too fast. Um, mm -hmm. And there's going to be a lot of corporate debt that is going to be unsustainable. And we're going to see the mother of all debt crises coming up, which will affect, again, this is the fixed income market having such a profound effect on uh, equity markets. And we only saw a, a small case of that a few weeks ago with the um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank Corps yeah, situation, yeah. you know. Yep. Um, but there's only so many banks that can be bailed out. Right, <laughs> especially of that size. <laughs> the, the US government just doesn't have that amount of dosh. And Jamie Dimon, right. you know, he might want to <laughs> acquire all of them, but, you know, he's not going to be able to afford <laughs> get all of them, let's face it. you know. <laughs> I hope not. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The last thing we need is JP Morgan mm. yeah. running the country. <laughs> well, don't they already? I mean. Isn't there a nexus I mean, I between them? At least they're not Wall HSBC. Street and, yeah. 
investment banks and the US government and treasury and I, I very I enjoyed your conversation about Janet Yellen because it's true oh, it's, just, it's just I mean what are you people doing over there who are your elected <laughs> officials we've got easily five more days than she said the worst case scenario by my calculations <laughs> i don't care get it done get it done yeah. jesus christ yeah yeah also i don't understand how that whole budget thing works either like you planned the budget didn't mm. you already know what you're gonna spend why wasn't the debt limit raised then mm-hmm. or is this all the overages yeah yeah i don't know but i, I think the uh the idea that um there's going to be a crisis coming if the debt limit um is not passed by June 1st. I think that's a bit... Oh, of... God, yeah. I think there's definite weight to that, but I can't imagine... No, I don't think there is. Every... I don't think there is weight to that at all. I mean, no, I mean I'm mean, i just a little guy here in Sydney, but, you know, let me give you my expert view on this. <laughs> I'm saying if they don't pass it, yeah. there could be some major problems. But the no, I don't think... I don't think... So. I don't, but I don't think there yeah. would be even major problems if they didn't pass it. No? I, I beg to differ, Kyle. <laughs> Why is that? Well, this is what I'm reading, again, on FinTwit, is that the US government is receiving about $300 billion uh, a month in taxes. Uh, the debt is something like, the, the interest on the debt is 60 to $70 billion a month. So the debt can still be paid. They can yeah. slow down government a bit for a while and work out what they're doing. And to me, it seems like what they're arguing about is a a slowdown in the rate of increase in government expenditure over 10 years. It's not like they, right. you know, they're asking, um, was it Kevin McCarthy uh, is asking for wholesale cuts in government budgets. It seems like, no, mm. well, let's just slow down the pace of increase of government spending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mm. And I know there's a political, I know there's a political divide here as well. And, um, you know, I don't want to, <laughs> Get into well, as long as we rag on both sides equally, that's uh, yeah. I think we yeah. can maintain our bipartisanship. Ah, oh, well, that's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Just you have to make fun of everybody. That's right. Yeah, equal opportunity, fun making. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's a good point because uh, I do remember that being buried in that whole um, thing that Janet was talking about. It was mm. like, yeah, we might be in trouble come June, but if we can make it through June, then there's incomes coming in in July. Basically, the U.S. is paycheck to paycheck right now. Yeah, yeah, that's like, right. Like the rest of the constituents. <laughs> but still, I mean, the, the U.S. government has got $30 trillion in debt and a $1 trillion budget deficit. I mean, yeah, they, yeah, they just sort of... They, but, they, but we also just print money too, so I don't know how that fucking works either. <laughs> well, that's how they create money. That's where money is created. You gotta get right. you gotta get some fixed income people on the podcast. It's so interesting to find out about how this works. You know, I, I am afraid to dive into. I don't know if I need another thing to <laughs> another rabbit hole to, to fall into. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I got to do an options uh, uh, deep dive next. Still, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, they're uh, they're so fascinating options. You know. Oh man, yeah. The option to lose money quickly. <laughs> the history of options, even just the history of options, going back to you know the ancient Greeks and options over crops. You know, it's. Well, wait. Really? They're actually they're actually more like futures contracts and options, but to me, oh, they seem to say. be very close. I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe I'm just being an idiot again here. But um, it's just the the idea that a farmer might have a crop coming, and a speculator will mm-hmm. come in from the big city and say, "Well, look, here's you know what, what was the ancient um, Roman coin, <laughs> denarii or something. Here's five hundred uh, denarii yeah, yeah. for um, for your crop." That I will take delivery of, and that speculator is thinks, you know, oh, I can see a shortage coming up um, at harvest time, right. and uh, uh, the the farmer gets certainty. They're happy about it. They they might be missing out some income, but um, yeah. So the idea of options and futures contracts go back a long, long way. Well, that's interesting because that's kind of the whole point of futures, isn't it? Mm. Or wasn't mm. that like the original purpose of mm. like our futures market was for? The, the people who own their businesses to be able to have cost certainty and be able to sell their things into the future? Well, I think it's the Chicago Board of Exchange's actual reason, reason for existence there in Illinois. Right, right. Mm. Yep, up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've stood in front of the bull. Oh, have you? I must come over. Strong testicles. I must come over there. I haven't... <laughs> Speaking of which, I was I, with your manscaping uh, promo code. I tried the promo oh, code. I tried the promo code and didn't work. What is it again? Wait, what? Two balls? Not two balls, two, two balls. Two balls. Oh, that was my mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B-U-L-L. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was just thinking manscaping, you know, it just seemed to fit in. 
<laughs> oh man, <laughs> their products are really good. I was so surprised. I thought oh, no, for sure no. it was going to be kind of a a, a lark, but mm, I mm. actually really enjoy the stuff they sent me. Should we um wind this up because I, I need to get back to my yeah, broker yeah. now because we've closed a position. Now we need to work out what we're going to open. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting. All right, folks. Well, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time with Phil, but it's okay. You can check out one of his many beginner podcasts, uh, or you can check out his website, sharesforbeginners.com. Make sure we have all those links in the episode description. Be back soon with another exciting episode. But in the meantime, pretend this is Thunderdome and your rating will determine which bowl leaves. And I'd also like to end this episode in the traditional Aussie farewell. Uh, fuck off, you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you are also going to say, don't forget to rate and review the podcast and like and share because um, we need your help. If you like what you listen, I mean, if you're still listening at this point, you must have gotten something out of it. I hope so. Am I wrong? Oh, either that or you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And um, we were going to talk about the nut bush as well, but uh, well, I don't know. But uh, ah, well, Tina Turner. That just gives us, Tina a, Turner. gives us a reason to do it again. Yeah, that's right. R.I.P. Tina Turner and Nutbush City Limits. Not many people in the States know, but you can see the dance on Twitter. That's almost Australia's national dance. So there's many sad. I know you say Aussies. It's, it's Aussies. 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 Yeah. yeah. Aussies. Aussie. No, not Aus- Aussies. Now, does <laughs> Nutbush have anything to do with Nutella? Uh, no, no, nothing at all. I think it's just the, okay. the little town that um, Anna Mae Bullock, who became Tina Turner, came from. Oh, I didn't know she was Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking with uh, me? Uh-huh. You dick. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, uh, yeah, Sydney, Al- Sydney, Alabama. Yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> 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 all right, I think that's a good spot to end this. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.